Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you wanna go where everybody knows your name, and they're always glad you came. You wanna go where people know the people are all the same. You wanna go where everybody knows.
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest episode of I'm No Joke, your home for all things combat sports and the place where every armchair quarterback can feel like Ben Bronco. The views and opinions presented on the I'm No Joke channel belong solely to the person expressing them, no one else. If we say it, that means we meant it. That being said, this show does contain adult themes, adult content, and general shit that you shouldn't be letting your kids intake. Be advised, viewer discretion is recommended. Proceed at your own risk. You've been warned. What's up, fam? You tuning into that new hotness with your boy here, the Riz King, here for that all no cap famous pot. I'm just kidding. If you understood any of that, go read a fucking book. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of appropriate ages, to the season nine kickoff, of the I'm No Joe podcast, a show where every armchair quarterback can feel like Eddie Bravo. Today, as like most days, we have got a glorious panel for you here, ready to get into all the shit talking and the shenaniganry, break down all the fuckery and fight announcements we have had, shake down the pipe since we saw you wonderful folks last. Uh, I do have to apologize uh, in case you didn't see the fucking ring around the rosy I got rocking right here. I ended up with a fucking infection that tried to take my eye out last week, so we unfortunately did not get to do a show leading into that London card, but there wasn't really much that we would have said that you probably couldn't have deciphered from your own watching of that card if you were so inclined to do so that being said before we get into this week's fun and fuckery first and foremost gentlemen how the hell are you doing over there i'm fantastic that might be the greatest fucking intro to the show ever not to mention it's good to see that you're uh healing up from talking back to your wife right. infection <laughs> I'm doing pretty damn good myself. It's been a good fucking week. I'm glad to see you back to fucking health, brother. In good fucking spirits. And that was a damn funny joke Don made for sure. You got Dana Whited by the wife. I, mean, it, I, I knew I should have never went to Cabo. God damn. <laughs> the last time I fly Zupa, a fucking vacation lines. <laughs> Guaranteed to happen right i think it comes complimentary with your tickets right it's the peanuts and then (laughs) you're not allergic to peanuts you're going to be allergic to this (laughs) right (laughs) good shit good shit uh we were originally scheduled to have a uh special guest join us this evening but as we say around here life happens uh life comes first so hopefully next week we can get ab's ass on here and get him warmed up and ready for his turn in the pit but uh we will still have a pit because there is a pay-per-view card this weekend but before we get into all that fun and fuckery we're gonna kick things off around here the way we like to kick things off around here with a little bit of news and recent events here um obviously not having a show last week there is a metric fuck ton of news that has shaken down the pipe since i got to report back to you guys uh i am going to give you the condensed version obviously if you want everything join the discord the link runs down in the very bottom of the screen during the whole show and it's in the description and i throw pretty much all the news that doesn't make it here to the show that i still feel somewhat relevant over on there so you can peruse it at your convenience but that being said we do have a bunch of interesting shit i do want to talk about here uh first and foremost 
one fighting championship. Chatri has officially signed himself a four show deal with Amazon Prize for excuse me with Amazon Prime for 2024's calendar year U.S. based shows. Hopefully they're not all in Colorado. That would kind of suck. But even if that's the case, still getting one FC in the United States is absolutely going to help get some more eyes on them and show the folks who think that the UFC is the only thing out there that there's literally a whole other side of the world with bad motherfuckers just waiting to be viewed. So come on, Milwaukee. Come on, Milwaukee. Kansas City, Kansas City. I'm not driving to Kansas City again. Sorry, boys. That you make Don drive this time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but no, it's it's good to see that Chatri has recognized uh, the the benefit that they got from that Colorado show, especially bringing fucking DJ for his fucking rematch. That was just great fucking matchmaking by Chatri and the crew. And if my guess is anything like it was for that card, they're going to make sure these four upcoming cards are just as stacked with recognizable names. So very interested to see what the 2024 calendar year brings for one championship here in stateside. Uh, that being said, kind of a new sandwich here. We had a good one and now we got to have a shit one. Cause that's just how it works sometimes. Um, now, I will preface this one by saying this is completely unconfirmed because as of now, there have not been any official demands, but there have been now multiple reports from multiple different people in multiple different cities who are on planning committees that the UFC has to work with in order to bring one of their events to town. There have now been three that I have seen by people who have to remain anonymous, obviously because of their jobs, who have now said that in getting an offer for the UFC to come to that city and potentially put on events, they are now trying to force it as a package deal. In order to get a UFC event, you have to also host a fucking power slap event. And if that's the case going forward, we're about to start seeing a whole lot of Apex, Florida, and Texas shows because nobody else is going to want that bullshit if it's a forced package deal. Now, I hope for the sake of hoping, please, MMA gods, don't fuck us this hard. I hope that these are just rumors and it's just when someone saw it, someone else decided to bandwagon on. But the fact that there have now been multiple different people from multiple cities who have all been reporting essentially the same fucking thing, it it's enough to make you start going hmm and sniffing a little bit deeper than we might have initially because that's some bullshit. It's already bad enough that despite having unfollowed and blocked power slap social media on all fucking platforms, Dana and the UFC have essentially taken to sliding it in on all of the UFC's social media platforms to promote that bullshit much as we might not fucking want them to. So if they do go ahead and take this full step and tie it in as a package deal for events going forward, we're about to start seeing a lot of pretty much Vegas only shows because that's just dumb. But that's the kind of shit that Dana might actually genuinely do. That being said, we got a weird one to follow that one up here. Uh, 
I'm not saying it's time to break out the tinfoil and start making a quote unquote boat that would also happen to fit on your head. What I am saying is that if somehow you did not see the actual video of the event, we here at the I'm No Joe channel have a spectacular crisp, clear 4K video of the event in which Floyd Mayweather was boxing John Gotti III, if that's what you want to call what those two were doing in the ring, to the extent that the referee literally waved the fight off because they were both not only not fighting, but wouldn't obey the referee's commands during a match. That's kind of the base fucking rule as a fighter. So the referee waved it off, at which point John Gotti III ran around the referee and tried to start an actual brawl in the ring. Bruhaha ensues. UFC fucking could not have planned something this fucking grand. But following that, the Florida State Athletic Commission understandably suspends John Gotti III for six months for inciting an in-ring brawl, which is clear on the video that you can go watch on this channel after the show's over if you like. We got confirmation from a Florida State Athletic Commission official as of yesterday afternoon with absolutely no reason given and no paperwork filed to lead to this happening. John Gotti III's suspension in Florida has officially been completely revoked. He is no longer suspended and free to book a match at any point in time starting today. Somebody was getting hand jobs under the table. I don't work at a market on a beach, but goddamn, that's a little fishy. So, needless to say, that story has caught the attention of the MMA journalism circuit at large. And I'm absolutely interested to see how this fucking gets followed up because the Florida State Athletic Commission is getting pressed about this right now as they fucking should be. I'm very curious to see in the age of digital information on tap and cyber paper trails how they try and explain this one away. But we'll see. That being said, um, we got some I don't want to say it's expected, but disheartening yet understandable news this last week. Uh, While playing basketball outside of training camp, Jamal Hill tore his Achilles this last week. Uh, Told it was going to require surgery and then six to nine months, possibly a year of rehab to get back at it. He said in the spirit of Yuri Prohaska, who got injured and decided not to hold the division up, he was going to follow suit and subsequently released the 205-pound belt back into the wild. Um, Which kind of ties into the next story here is that we have seen both on websites, advertising ticket sales, and at least two different billboards that I have seen pictures of. Uh, This fight at 290 coming up this weekend, or the card rather, is being advertised in some locations as a two-title fight card that the main event, obviously the BMF belt, excuse me, BMF belt between Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje being on the line, but they are also advertising that the co-main event, Jan Blahovich versus Alex Pereira, is the now, con- or excuse me, the unconfirmed light heavyweight title fight, which 
no one at the UFC has had any confirmation for and nothing on the official UFC anything has that anywhere. But it's also not the worst idea in the world, given the landscape of the UFC and MMA right now. Whether we see between now and Saturday, they officially make that announcement and turn it into a five round fight and make it for the title. We'll have to watch. I would not be mad at that. But as of right now, it is unconfirmed by the UFC, but multiple different outlets are advertising it as such. So, you know, as far as that's concerned, it's not a bad idea. And let me back up a little bit. Jamal Hill, fucking hats off, man. I yeah, love yeah, seeing sure. champs that know that they're going to be out for an extended period of time due to injury. So you know what? Stepping off. We're not going to hold this shit up. Let people get on with their lives. I'll come back and get it later. Yep. And look, if Yuri Prohoshka and now Jamal Hill start a fucking trend, that is a trend I am all here for. Because there's been too many times where we've seen it where shit holds up divisions and it just gets fucking boring at the top for a, a year or more. Just saying. You got guys out there like fucking is Izzy willing to fight four fucking times a year and defend his title. Other guys that are title holders don't do that. You expect maybe one or two fights a year out of them. So anytime they get injured, yeah, that's going to hold it up even fucking longer. So no, hats off to him. But come back around though. I think it's a great idea. Fucking get the belt on the move. Not that I want to... Well, I want to see Jan crush another guy coming up from fucking middleweight because, you know, that's that's always fun to watch. But they definitely need to put that um, title back into rotation. To be honest, Jan never got his fucking rematch that I think he duly deserved. So at this point, put the title on the line for him. Let him become the champ again. It's at this point, to get to that rematch with Glover retired. Yeah, exactly. So it is what it is. So here we are. But I don't know. To be honest, I'm wondering if it's just a ploy to sell tickets that they were putting shit out like that and putting billboards up and some sites putting that. Because I think we would have heard something from the UFC by now. So I don't think we're going to see that happen this weekend. Yeah, it wouldn't be the first time that some company who decided to take it upon themselves to change the advertising. We saw it not that long ago with ads getting rolled out before they were scheduled to be rolled out and breaking news that the UFC wasn't ready to break yet. So it wouldn't be the first time that a legitimate ad got rolled out by mistake, but it also wouldn't be the the first time that we've seen someone decide to make their own ad for a UFC event unofficially and have controversy stirred up like this either. So, Oh yeah, because some people make those they do a very damn good job of making them look very official so people will bite. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, but I will I will definitely be keeping an eye out to see whichever way that fucking shakes loose. Uh, speaking of seeing how things shake loose, we got news this week of one of the biggest free agency announcements in mixed martial arts in recent memory. Uh, it was confirmed that Michael Venom Page is officially now a free agent. He said that he has no opposition to re-signing with Bellator if Bellator turns out to be the quote-unquote best place for him. 
but he wanted to test the waters of free agency and see what's out there. So he went and sat at a BKFC event cage side, even though everyone knows he ain't getting back in that fucking ring. Uh, he went and sat at UFC London, which get the fuck out of here. Anyone in the top 15 is going to smash him like a fucking empty soda can and get laughed at doing it. Uh, but he is officially technically a free agent. Honestly, PFL would be smart to snatch him the fuck up because they could probably get a better deal catching him now than they will if they buy out Bellator and then have to honor the contract that Coker is going to give him to keep him. So not to mention, honestly, I think there's better fights for him in PFL than there's going to be in Bellator at this point. And there's sure as fucking that many good fights for him. If any real good fights for him in the UFC at this point, 39 years old, having already walked that combat sports road for nearly 20 years and taken all the fucking damage he has taken. I, I have a feeling he's either going to end up back at Bellator crushing some fucking cans till he retires or the PFL is going to scoop him up while they can get him for a bargain, which Ray Sapo is not an idiot, man. There's a reason they've got an option to buy Bellator right now. Ray Sapo knows how to work that money. So we'll see. It'd be interesting to see where MVP actually ends up. So that may, brings me to my next point. Um, I'm actually very curious here for both of your gentlemen's input. And I was extra curious on the new guy's input on this one, but we'll have to find out about that another time. But I'm very curious what you two gentlemen think about this here. We have supposedly a sanctioned bout at Combat Brawl 34 in West Virginia next month where a pair of nine-year-olds will be climbing in the cage upon making weight of 68 pounds and putting on a five three-minute round match. At nine years old in a quote-unquote sanctioned match. I don't know how I feel about nine-year-olds being put in events like this. It's, it's one thing if you want to teach your kid to, to box and they're doing like gym smokers where all the dads are hanging out or something. But like this is a legitimate like boxing MMA event and they're putting the kids on posters for this. personally i think it's just kind of funny but at the same time as the parents are cool with it it's, it's uh, you know a little different i know a lot of young kids that go to the gym we go to train i mean it's like sparring you know you just try to teach them the fundamentals and shit like right. that but at the same point i wouldn't think that uh whether it's sanctioned properly. If it is actually sanctioned properly, you wouldn't think anybody's going to let the kid really get hurt. Right. Because in amateur level MMA, they stop the fight a lot quicker than they would on the pro level. They don't really try to let the guys get too banged up, cut up. Mm -hmm. You know, what they would consider a knockout on the amateur level is completely different than what you got on the pro level. And that's with like adult men and women. So, I would hope that that's the biggest thing, and then I could be okay with it. If you're actually letting kids 
more of a fun thing and get some practice and experience, but you're not going to let any kids really get hurt with it. Be right. cool, right? You give them that feeling at a really young age to get in a cage and do that. If those young kids want to do that when they continue on, right? So you got the rosis, you know, raw rosis, that piece of shit ass, put in the UFC at 17 years old. So you got a lot of youth training over the MMA, you know, it's becoming a bigger sport. I'm a fan of that. Like, I'm all for that. Kids loving MMA, being a part of it. Like, I watched it when I was a little kid, like five, six years old. I started watching fights with my dad. Been watching them for about 20 years now. I'm 27, so. Yeah, I can't take that away. The parents are cool with it. That's kind of my biggest thing. I just want the kids to be safe. That would be the only thing I'm worried about. Can't be letting nine year olds knock each other out. So. No, those should be working on a point system for kids. No knockouts, headgear, fucking pillows on their fucking hands so they don't hurt each other. But also, it's adorable to think that um, when you say you've been watching fights for 20 years, you were five, six, seven years old. Huh. MMA wasn't even around when I was five, six, seven years old. It was, right. but it was called pit fighting then. Right. Yeah. I was gonna say when I was watching combat sports when I was five, six years old, it was me and my dad and my grandpa around the TV because HBO boxing was on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you're adorable little young kids. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I think my main issue with this is like. It's one thing if you take your kid to to the gym or you take your kid to boxing classes and then there's a local tournament and you're in a tournament that's, you know, rules, regulations, sanctioned people who are watching to keep an eye on that. This is like a backyard MMA event and they're throwing kids into the middle of the bill. I think that's kind of what my issue is with it because I'm right there with you. As long as the parents are down for it, they've got fucking headgear on, they got mouthpieces in, they've got fucking gloves on, nobody's letting anything fucking stupid happen. Let them get after it. Let them learn. The fundamentals are fucking great to learn as early as you possibly fucking can. But at the same time, it kind of feels a little bit freak showy as like these yeehaw boys are putting on a backyard MMA event and they gonna get some kids in there to wrestle. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it, it feels, it feels really West Virginia. -y, if anybody knows what I mean here and I've got fucking relatives there. So I'm speaking from fucking experience. It feels real West Virginia. -y. You know, it's all right to have little kids compete in events. So long as they're sanctioned, there's a reason why like there's the, BJJ events for kids and all of that, where they can go out and actually compete and win medals and shit like that. Yep. That backyard shit, if you want to be on street beefs, go be on street beefs, leave your fucking kids out of it. That's kind Don't of get me wrong. Even street beefs does a pretty good job of making sure people are safe about it. Yeah, they actually do a decent job. They really fucking do. It's for kind a of backyard sick. setup with fucking plywood fencing, I'm just saying. Yeah, for a genuine backyard setup, yeah. No, I, I'm. I think that's the way that I'm looking at it here. It's just feels a little ugh, like too much Mountain Dew kind of. <laughs> I don't know, but moving on from there, um, we first didn't have an event. Then we had an event. Then we didn't have an event, 
Now we do indeed have an event again next weekend in UFC Nashville. Um, originally slated, they slung in there Corey Sanhagen versus Umar Nurmagomedov, which I think pretty much everyone with a pulse was excited for that fucking fight. Unfortunately, Umar got hurt in training and had to pull out. We found out this week they are keeping Corey on tap. They are bringing in none other than New England's own Rob Font as a replacement for the the headlining fight next weekend in Nashville. Not quite the same fight, but I think it could be very interesting just the same. So interesting to see what they do with the rest of the card around that. If they bring in any other last minute big fights, try and help boost it because they could use some help. Get it some help. Uh, that being said, um, we got word from the man himself. A lot of people have been wondering because he's been kind of quiet lately. Well, we found out this weekend at least some of the short-term plans for the blessed one himself. Max Holloway has come out and said that he has been looking for a reason to make the jump back to lightweight for a long time, that he's kind of getting bored running the same circles down at featherweight, understandably, and that based on what he has seen the UFC do with UFC 290, he thinks the winner of this BMF belt in the main event would probably be a good opponent for him to make his official move back up to lightweight, whether it's Dustin Poirier, which brings back the rematch that I think everyone would be fucking excited to see, or it goes the other way. And we get a Justin Gaethje who just beat Dustin fucking Poirier in his rematch, given Max Holloway the business when he moves up to lightweight, which I'm also all fucking in for. So Either way, I think it's a pretty goddamn good move, and it confirms that Max Holloway is ready to make that move officially. He's done with the bullshit down at featherweight, and he's not looking at anyone in the bottom bullshit area of lightweight. He's making a step directly into the top five, which I believe he is entitled to do. So it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out because you know damn well somebody is going to ask Dana about that matchup in the post-fight press conference Saturday evening. No matter who the winner is, we'll have a new BMF champion, and Max Holloway wants fucking smoke with either one of them. So I really hope somebody pushes Dana on that shit Saturday night. Now, as for fight announcements here, we've got not a lot of them, but we've got some pretty goddamn good ones here. Um, the first pair we've got here, for the UFC event that is technically undesignated right now because they're trying to figure out if they can make it a pay-per-view or not. Uh, September 23rd, they are building the card by adding, as of right now, Rafael Fiziev versus Mateusz Gamrot, which is a fucking spectacular fight at lightweight, and Dynamite Dan Ige versus Bryce Mitchell. Definitely an interesting fucking matchup as well. So they are not fucking around with that September 23rd card. They're starting to put some fucking heat on it. It's going to be interesting to see if they do make it a pay-per-view or just end up having it be a fucking hell of a fight night. That being said, uh, October 13th at Caged Aggression 36, the headlining bout, will be 57-year-old Pat Militich returning to combat sports to take on the mouth that ain't from the South, 
Mike Racism Jackson himself. Uh, Mike Jackson uh, ran his mouth about Pat Militich being at the Capitol on January 6th and then did Mike Jackson type of commentary from there. And Caged Aggression managed to get them both to sign a contract and managed to get the Iowa State Athletic Commission to sanction the bout. So it is official and it is going down in Dansbury, Iowa, or excuse me, in Davenport, Iowa on October 13th. I don't anticipate that to be a good fight. I don't anticipate that to be an entertaining fight. I just really, 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 with every fiber in my corrupt little fucking being, hope that 57-year-old Pat Militich can just come out and lay Mike Jackson the fuck out, and we can all be done with this bullshit. But because the world is the way that it is, I have a feeling something ridiculous is probably going to happen. We will see as we get closer to October. Those face-offs are going to be obnoxious. That being said, back in the world of fun fights, UFC Vegas 82 taking place the following night, October 14th, back in the Apex. We have got a hell of a fight added to that card. Edson Barbosa versus Super Sadiq Youssef. That is a fucking stylistic matchup if I have seen one. Those kicks are going to be off the charts on both fucking sides. I'm here for it. <laughs> Um, we got a trio this week of announcements for UFC 294's Abu Dhabi card. And holy shit, are they all fucking spectacular. So first and foremost, they open by telling us that Mohamed Mukaib is going to be fighting Tim Elliott on UFC 294 in Abu Dhabi. And that's fucking awesome. That's going to be a great fight. Then they tell us Alessio Sicario's fight has been changed and Paulo Costa will now be fighting Kamzat Chemaev at middleweight on UFC 294. And everyone started to salivate a little bit at that. And then they really just pulled out the old mushroom stamp and gave it fucking to us. It is official. The main event of UFC 294, October 14th, or excuse me, October 21st from Abu Dhabi is none other than the rematch we've all been waiting for. Charlie Olives himself, Charles Dubronx Oliveira versus Islam Makachev 2 for the lightweight strap. They're running it back and doing it in Abu Dhabi. I don't know if all that talk that Charles did at International Fight Week about not being ready until December was just to get the UFC to increase the heft of the bag they inevitably brought to his house, or if it was legitimately just to fuck with Islam a little bit and make him start focusing on another opponent, which would not be outside of the realm of possibility either. But either way, get that bag, Charlie Olives. I am definitely interested in this fucking rematch. And if Abu Dhabi's where it's got to go down, so be it. You know, of all of the craziness that is now on that card now, I want to know, how the fuck is Paula Costa going to make middleweight? It's going to be very interesting, especially if you saw him do press recently. God damn, does that boy look like a heavyweight. Yeah. It's hard for him to make fucking 205. Shit. Right. 
yeah, that that boy is felt right now. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can actually step down to fucking 205. But interestingly enough, the same can be said of his fucking dance partner. Because if you've seen the pictures that Kamzat was taking with the little fucking kids in England last week, he looks like he's a fucking ice cream cone shaped heavyweight himself right now. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if either one of them boys can actually hit 185. Do I hear catch weight in like the last week? Right. I was going to say getting them deja vu feelings. We've seen this dance song or song and dance play out before. Uh, But uh, from there on to some good news, because we generally don't get that very often in the combat sports world, especially when it comes to severe injuries. So it's nice to get some good news. And I wanted to make sure we relayed that. Uh, after last year's fight with Jeff Neal, Vicente Luque was indefinitely suspended because he suffered a brain bleed and almost went into a fucking coma. They kept it real quiet. He got treatment. He healed up, but he suffered a fucking brain bleed. And it was questionable if he had a future in combat sports there for a while, realistically. Never one to toot his own horn or try and bring any shine his own way. We found out this week through investigative journalism that Vicente Luque is now officially cleared by all medical personnel and athletic commissions to return to combat sports. He is 100% healed up. Everything is all good. He's ready to get back into it. So it's nice to hear something go right because it doesn't often go that way when it comes to big fights and big injuries like that, and especially in MMA. So Fucking A, can't wait to see Vicente Luque get back in there. The silent assassin's a bad motherfucker in my book. Next one here, I will admit, it's it's not MMA. It's not, but it directly ties to MMA and something that we've been talking about pretty intensely for quite a little while here now. Uh, Roger Goodell. And the NFL officially announced this week that they have indefinitely suspended Broncos. I'm going to butcher this name, but I'm going to try it anyway. Uazurike, wide receiver, and Isaiah Wilson has been suspended for uh, the 2023 to 2024 season pending further investigation. He may be indefinitely suspended, uh, but both of them for gambling on NFL games that they either participated in or had some direct connection to. They make, I believe, numbers 27 and 28 as of just this calendar year who have now been suspended from the NFL for the exact same fucking thing that they just watched all of these MMA fighters go through by betting or being associated with people betting on fights. How the fuck these guys see that happening and then still think that they can get away in, I think it's Awuzurike. In his case, he was directly betting on games he was fucking playing in. Do you not know who the fuck Pete Rose is? Do your homework, son. Jesus Christ. But on the other side of that, it's nice to see that Goodell and the NFL are taking this more seriously, it seems, than combat sports were. But they're also acknowledging that this isn't just a combat sports problem. So 
it's nice to see at least somebody's making a point to punish people who are breaking fucking rules and Stana doesn't seem to know how to. That being said, uh, we got a couple of announcements this past weekend that I feel are worth mentioning here, even though none of them are really the most exciting or happy news. The first one here, uh, after possibly the single greatest moment of no fight IQ ever presented in the cage in getting her arm cranked of her own fucking volition last weekend, Molly McCann has officially announced that she is now going to leave the division altogether and officially make the move permanently down to 115. Somehow she still thinks that the weight is what's causing her to not live up to her potential. We'll see. I don't think it's going to make any fucking difference. That being said, on the other side of things here, we got word directly from the horse's mouth that Rampage Jackson has all full intentions to come back for the UFL, the United Fighters League, that he is an organization, excuse me, an organization that he is a part of and helps promote, hoping in early 2024 to come back to combat sports and rematch Daryl Schoonover, but Big Tuna himself has had something to say about it. He doesn't want Schoonover to get brought back to combat sports, seeing as how he hasn't fought since 2012. But Big Tuna now wants to jump in the way and dodge, or excuse me, to take that bullet and make Rampage fight him to come back to combat sports. I don't think either one of them are a great match, but I am interested to see if this is just Rampage trying to capitalize on the sloppy Balboa fight circus Siamese boxing match that he and Bob Sapp took place that seemingly has got the world's attention for all the right reasons, or if this is actually Rampage genuinely wanting to do it the right way and actually come back to combat sports, because if that's the case, it could be very interesting, but I'm having a little bit of a tough time believing it is much like pretty much everyone else. So it's going to be interesting to see how that one plays out, but he made the official announcement himself. So I'm inclined to think that he might be kind of serious about it. Speaking of making the announcements themselves, though, we got word this week that Ian Heinish has officially decided to, and I quote, I'm using air quotes for those of you just listening, step away from MMA for the foreseeable future. He said he has spent the last year in change suffering from nonstop concussion syndromes from his last fight. And he's not going to put himself back into the mix and try and fight through it and take more strikes to the head while he's still suffering year-long concussion syndrome. So this is one of those situations where it's unfortunate that this is the way that it goes. But at the same time, it is nice to see someone who is younger in the MMA world having issues and being willing to step the fuck away to take care of his health and his personal life as opposed to trying to be the quote-unquote tough guy and fight through it and risk permanent fucking damage or worse. So hopefully Ian Heinrich can get everything taken care of, get everything, get back in order, get back in there and get back to some of the great fights that we saw him capable of at some point. If not, tip of the cap. Nice to see that he's walking away on his own terms here. 
That being said, it might be season nine, but it does not change the fact that Dana White is still a piece of shit. And we have now made it three weeks since I saw you fine folks. And Dana White has still not suffered one bit of actual fucking consequences for the Cabo San Lucas incident down in New Year's Eve. So hopefully we don't have to save this till the end of the year, but I have a funny feeling we're going to. Dana, you're a scumbag and having to live with the knowledge that the event happened is not actual punishment. That being said, that's the news that I got for this night. Either one of you gentlemen have anything I might have missed this evening? Not that I can think of offhand. Only thing for me, I don't think you mentioned AJ McKee got hurt mm. or is injured and out of that fight against Patrice Pitbull. That, that was disappointing. So it's probably yeah. the only decent fight on that uh, Ryzen 2 card. It, yeah. The pictures that they posted of the staff infection and his shit is, it sucks. That sucks. He's like the what the third or fourth fighter in the last couple of weeks to come down with a real bad staff infection and force him out of the fight. Sean Brady had a real similar situation in his elbow. I believe AJ McKees was in his knee. Uh, we had somebody who had one in their wrist just a couple of weeks back. It's, you can't take that. Infections are not to be taken fucking lightly. I ended up at the fucking hospital to get antibiotics for this shit because they were worried it was going to take my eyeball last week. You can't fucking play around with infections like that. So as much as that does suck and I don't like AJ McKee, I don't want to see him get taken out of a fight because of that. I want to see him get taken out on a stretcher because he got knocked the fuck out. But neither here nor there. <laughs> that being said, though, uh, that will bring us to the point where Unfortunately, if you've been watching combat sports as long as some of us and some of us have been, you kind of develop inadvertently the set of blinders where you just know what you like and where you like it and how you like it and when it comes on and what you're doing. And unfortunately, sometimes you can miss the forest for the trees when you do that. But luckily for us, we have ourselves a bona fide young person that fingers the pulse oh so delicately and keeps the MMA world thumping right into our lives and lets us know all the fun up and coming shit in the combat sports world in a little segment that we like to call Slow Scans and Contenders. Appreciate you, brother. So, start off Ultimate Fighter Season 31 continues to suck ass. The quarterfinal was finished last week. You know, we, we weren't on the show last week. Uh, it was shit. Connor's team got their first win. So a prospect won. Uh, kid's like 36 years old, though. I say kid, right? Dude's like 36 years old, dude. He's on the prospect team. 39. <laughs> He's 39. Oh. <laughs> Even worse. But yeah, there's nothing too impressive with him getting the win. And then as we get to the first semifinal match, uh, it, it was not good either. Austin Hubbard got a pretty shitty, lackluster decision. It was just like neither guy, you know, wanted to fight, obviously. None of these guys have really seemed like they got a lot of talent or want to get in any scraps. Like a lot of them, seven of them actually, that are the veterans, so they have already been in the UFC and got cut. It's just nothing good to expect from the rest of the season. It's pretty much waiting to see who who's in the damn finale and what stupid fucks are going to wind up getting the uh, 
title of the Ultimate Fighter winner. You know, air quotes around that because I don't think it means much shit anymore. As for this weekend, I think we got quite a few good fights. I'm excited for the fucking card. There's a good handful of contenders I wanted to touch on, but I mean, there's also quite a few cans, in my opinion. Some may be controversial, I'm going to throw out, but as a fight, I think Marina Maverick and Priscilla Cachoeira. I'm throwing that in the can. At this point, Marina Maverick, she just lost to way too many ladies like her last fight against Jasmine Jasmineicius. I felt like that was an easy one for her to bounce back. She loses that one again. I don't know if she's as much of a prospect as a lot of us thought. If you lose to Priscilla Cachoeira, yeah, you're definitely in the can category. I'm just not excited for the fight at all. I'm just kind of throwing that one in the trash this week. I got another fight I'm throwing in the trash. Uh, CJ Vergara versus Venetia Salvador. Uh, Salvador was kind of exciting coming off of the contender series just because of the underdog story for the kid, and he wound up getting a really, like, awesome comeback fucking knockout, right? You like to see those moments. He looked like shit against Victor Altamiriano in his UFC debut. So I, I, I'm just not excited about this fight again. I think CJ Vergara is kind of that middle-of-the-pack can as well, and it's not going to be a good fight. Throw it in the trash. Darius Flowers, this kid's making his UFC debut. Got a fucking contract on a contender series from just slamming a dude into the canvas and pretty much breaking his back. I mean, it, it was a fun sight to see, but it, it was nothing really special. The guy is not very talented. He's got a pretty poor professional record. I don't, I don't think we're going to see anything special coming out of him in the debut, so we're just throwing him in the can category. I thought it was a, one of those stupid pickups that we've been seeing from Dana White with his contender series, just signing whoever the hell you want. The controversial ones, I got maybe, maybe controversial, but I, I feel like it's time to put them there. Tony Ferguson, Derek Lewis, we got to put them in the can spot at this point. I think both of them probably going to lose this weekend. That'll be six losses in a row for Tony. Derek Lewis, I think that's four losses in a row. Just Hasn't been good for either one of them. Might be time to hang it up for them, even though they're stubborn bastards and they're not going to hang it up till they fucking want to. And Tony Ferguson's crazy ass this week saying, I have five fights in the title. You know, you lost five in a row, buddy. What makes you think you win five in a row and you're even going to get a title shot? And I'm just like, let's see. You want to talk all that shit? Sure. So let's see. Throw him in the can. And then obvious ones, in my opinion. Shell Pereira, Trevor Giles, a couple other cans on the card, easy ones. The contenders I'm looking forward to here, Roman Kopilov, he's looked good in his last fight. I feel like he's got some decent potential. Looking forward to him this weekend. The Claudio Ribeiro's been hyped up since he came off the contender series. He's got a lot of knockout power. You know, might get a really exciting back and forth, you know, striking fight that one. I'm going to throw Simmelsberger in the contender spot. He's been a little back and forth since he got in the UFC, but the dude's shown us he's got a lot of talent, and he's tough as fucking nails, and he's looked really good in his last couple of fights. So you keep stringing those fucking fights together, the same as you've been doing. 
if you're going to wind up in the actual rankings, throwing him in the contender spot this weekend. I think he's going to look good against a, a what you would call a young prospect-looking kid in Euros Medic. I think Schindelsberger comes out on top as long as, you know, he looks like he's been looking in the last couple fights. The other Bonfine brother. I remember a couple weeks ago when I had passed the fuck out, TJ wound up talking about Ishmael Bonfine. Well, now Gabe Bonfine's fighting this fucking weekend. He's undefeated. I think he might have been the better of the brothers any damn ways. We'll see if he, you know comes out the way I think he's going to come out the way that we hyped up the other Bonfim brother or if he fucking disappoints us. But, I, you know, definitely a contender to look forward to 14-0. Tons of fucking finishing potential. The kid's exciting as fuck. I thought both of the brothers were exciting as fuck. Still, I think the other one's got potential even off the loss there. Kevin Holland, fun as fuck. He goes out there and gets a win against Michael Chiesa. He's going to keep climbing the fucking rankings. He's probably going to get somebody within the top ten in his next fight unless he just takes a whatever-the-fuck fight because he likes to stay active. But he's definitely putting himself in that position. And then I got Bobby Green. You got to throw Bobby Green. He beat Tony Ferguson at this point. Like, the next is a contender, right? Top 15 guy. Always like Bobby Green. He's an exciting fighter. He's a little on the older fucking side, and he's always kind of been back and forth. But you string it together. I mean, the UFC obviously likes him. He's lost his last couple fights, and they're still giving Tony Ferguson, a dude with a name, technically ranked in the top 15 still, I think. So he's got a chance to throw himself in that contender spot. And then Alex Pereira to finish off the contenders for me. To beat Jan Blahovich. You're next in line for the light heavyweight title. Like we, you guys were talking about earlier in the podcast, I felt like they were already going to announce this fight this weekend with Jan and Alex as the title fight. Like, as soon as we got the news of Jamal Hill, I, I remember I sent in the chat, I'm like, watch it happen. You know, they're going to announce Jan versus fucking Pereira as the title fight, and then Pereira's going to win. And as soon as that happens, fuck Drick as fuck all that. They're just going to do the champ versus champ fight with Izzy versus Pereira. They still haven't announced a fight for Izzy any damn way, so you know, we might fucking line up seeing the vacant spot. It's just fucking Izzy getting a shot at the light heavyweight belt against fucking Pereira. I don't know. You know who knows what the fuck they're actually doing with it, but I thought it was a good fucking prediction. Uh, who knows what we'll actually see happen. But I think Pereira comes out on top. Definitely think he's that contender. I thought he was going to be able to hold on to the belt for a little while. He's going to beat Izzy again. I was really surprised Izzy got that knockout and won the belt back. I think Pereira tops a lot of guys in the top of the division, other than Yuri. When Yuri comes back, that might be a problem. But I'm also really excited to see that motherfucking fight. And that is, that's the biggest reason I had to finish the contenders off with Pereira. Because now that he's in the light heavyweight division, he's definitely one of the top contenders in that division. Especially if he beats Jan this week. We got some exciting shit in the future with his ass if he fucking wins this week. I'd love to hear what you guys got. Any cans and contenders for this weekend's card? 
I don't agree right now with your throwing the Miranda Maverick Priscilla Cajara fucking fight in the trash right now. Because Miranda, as much as I wanted to be Team Maverick, she keeps letting me fucking down. I'm not going to be mad if she fucking strings something together because then that will put me back into that thought of saying, yeah, she had a lot of fucking potential, but don't get me wrong. We've seen it with other fighters where shit goes awry and fucking they end up getting booted out and come back in, become champ, a la Jan Blahovich. Because he had an initial stint where he got his ass kicked a lot, fixed his shit, came back, became champ. It fucking happens. Do I think Maverick's on that right now? No, unfortunately not, because she can't seem to string anything together. But because she'll lose two, win two, lose one, win one, they're going to keep her around because it's a coin flip and good for people to fucking step on. Priscilla Cajara, I don't know why she's still in the fucking UFC at this point. So that that fucking fight can go straight in the trash. Um, the rest of the fucking ones, I think you nailed them on the head, especially the ones that are might come in as possible fucking cans. I think they're 100% at this point. Derek Lewis. Since he had that fight with fucking DC and they forced him to do a fucking short notice fucking money dance, basically. That was it. Is that he's been downhill since. And I don't know if I can I'll say Tony Ferguson a hundred percent because well seven five fucking skid and you're still in, it's only because you're a name. Just saying, the best of Tony Ferguson was when Tony Ferguson tripped over a fucking wire and blew his fucking knee out and stopped his fight with Khabib, which could have been one of the greatest fucking fights of all time at the time, but that ship fucking sailed and we're never going to get to see it. It's one of those ones that lives in infamy that never came to fruition. Even though he is fighting a Bobby Green who is, well, he's exciting every time he fights, but then again, even Tony losing is still exciting because he does some crazy shit. So we're bound to see some crazy shit out of it. So the fight as a whole, though, I will call the fight as a whole a contender because something crazy is going to happen. Bobby Green fights fucking weird. So does Tony Ferguson. And I say weird loosely. Bobby Green doesn't keep his fucking hands up. Ever. They're just down at his fucking sides. So eventually he's going to get tagged. But Tony's going to get tagged too because Bobby Green doesn't fucking miss very often. So that'll be interesting. I call it a contender fight. Not saying that either one of them are contenders, but contender for it's going to be a good time to watch. Now, as far as contenders are concerned, I have to go wholeheartedly against you on the fucking Alex Pajera thing at light heavyweight. No. The UFC is literally doing to him what they've done with a lot of people making that step up in weight class. Let's feed him to the fucking middleweight killer, Jan Blahovich. Bam. Go to light heavyweight, you're going to get fucked up. That's how that works. Anybody who's made that step up from 185 to 205, they take on Jan. Jan crushes them because they say something bad about his little feet. 
I'm just saying. Maybe you, I mean, you said you have been watching MMA for 20 years since you're about five. Now, granted, that was only a couple of years ago that it, this has all transpired since. So maybe you didn't catch all that stuff. This is the all of the Luke Rockhold fight that he had and busted the piss out of him. I'm just saying. No, I'm just more on that side that uh, Jan's 40 years old at this point. I don't think he's going to pull a glove. Yeah, look, you can think that if you want to. I'm just saying, fucking, it's bad juju to bet against a fucking guy who's been known to kill everybody who's come up to light heavyweight. Anybody who's made that jump up, he's killing them. There's a reason why they put Jan in there with him. I'm just saying. They're going to say, Alex, you need to go back down so you can go try to fight Izzy again. That's that's it. And the other one that I'll say for me, honorable mention in my opinion, is gotta be fucking fucking uh, goddamn Semmelsberger Semmelsberger because he's hot and cold so I can't call him a fucking can but I can't call him a contender he's in that weird fucking he's in that middle realm he's like weird that he's called Jedi when he still seems like a fucking Padawan because he's still making mistakes that's all I'm saying yeah Overall, the fights on the card aren't bad. I don't think we're going to have any really boring fights. And I'm remiss to talk about fucking Bonfim because I think this might be a case of, yeah, one of the Bonfims is better than the other, just like every other fucking sibling or husband-wife duo that we've seen come into the UFC. There's always one that's decent and the other one that's shit. Now, last week... <clears throat> Ismail Bonfim looked like fucking shit. Like absolute dog shit in his last fight out. Yeah, they both came in fucking guns blazing. Let's see if um it, it was a one and done type situation for Gabriel as well. So if that's the case, maybe there isn't a good Bonfim brother. That's all I'm saying. I liked what you said about Simmelsberger being hot and cold and shit. It reminded me of uh few podcasts ago, fucking meter coin in that phrase, Schrodinger's Cantender. Yep, that's it. You may or may not. You know, that's why we took a little different direction. He used the whole Jedi reference, since that is his nickname, <clears throat> you know, fucking Padawan. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. Fucking Semmelsberger is like the embodiment of Schrodinger's contender. That dude, you blink and he goes from iceberg to fucking volcano and vice versa. There's no fucking telling until the bell starts or the bell rings and the fucking fight starts. So I definitely agree with that. Um, I think my my can and my contender this week, uh, I, like they have been quite often, are, are both contextual can contenders here. Uh, situationally, not necessarily overall in terms of their career, but the can that I've got this week, I'm going against the grain on this one for damn sure. Darius Flowers stepping in on a couple days' notice against another very strong embodiment of the Schrodinger's contender theory and Jake Matthews, another Mr. Hot and Cold. If Darius Flowers shows up, on a couple days notice and fucking ragdolls Jake Matthews. Not only is he a hero, he's the reason the UFC gets cut some dead weight, which is much 
much needed and long overdue in my opinion so i don't know that darius flowers is the greatest overall fighter i'm just saying in this context stepping up as a short notice hero potentially doing the damn thing against jake matthews who we've seen be very beatable he could be the fucking greatness this weekend and just shoot himself to the fucking moon despite not having done much before this so i I think it's possible i think it's real possible the other side of that coin though i i don't agree that the opponent is the greatest in the world but again contextually in this fight i am of the opinion that there is no good bond theme i don't think trevin giles is any kind of a fucking world breaker but I think the Bonfim brothers have gotten all of their hype because they are combat sports brothers, much like the Pitbull brothers. One of them is clearly better than the other. You could also argue that neither one of them are really that great and have had great matchmaking their whole career. That's how I feel about the Bonfim brothers. I don't think either one of them has shown me anything to get on the hype train for either one of them. And I don't think Trevin Giles is the greatest fighter in the world, but I think if he just has a basic sense of fight iq and doesn't bite on the flashy bullshit that i'm willing to bet bonfim's gonna try and throw out he could show up and be another fucking superstar this weekend because i think bonfim is trash that's all i got controversial as always i like it Well, that's it for me. Appreciate you guys. Good shit. So that'll bring us to the point where in most podcasts, uh, you'd be getting your mid-roll credit and your big, this episode is sponsored by blah, blah, fucking blah, blah, stuff that we don't use. People don't give a shit about what we do. Not here. The only sponsors for the I'm No Joe podcast are patrons, people who actually give a shit about what we do. You can be one of those people for as little as $1 a month, patreon.com slash I'm No Joe, as well as helping us do what we do around here. It gets your name as a thank you on the end of every broadcast on this channel and gives you unlimited access to behind the scenes, unaired and literally unairable things that we have to legally keep behind a paywall, verify your age and even OnlyFans could fucking handle i've got the emails to prove it that being said this brings us into the only segment of this show that requires its own disclaimer tapology.com does not in any way shape or form support sponsor or endorse the i'm no joe podcast yet That being said, Tapology.com does offer you a service to make a free account and make fantasy-style MMA picks. They also allow you to make groups on that site. We've made a group on there. We call it I'm No Bookie. It's group 965, however you need to find it. It is open to the public. You are more than welcome to bring your happy ass on down to Tapology. Make yourself an account. Join the group and put your picks head-to-head against us in a little segment that we go over that we call Tapology with TJ. So, being as we had no show last week because um, somebody got, you know what, I'm going to change my stance on this. I'm going to say you did the chivalrous thing and stepped in front of Dana White's wife to take one for the fucking team since he's such a scumbag. Well, I mean, we've done, seen the sir. video. He was trying to go for another one. Bravo. 
bravo, bravo. Since we had nothing last week, we didn't get to go over the week previous's fucking results. Now, that goes back to fucking um, events, which would be the home Silva. Bueno Silva fucking junk. Now, I'm going to put a very big asterisk on this on this week. This week that I'm speaking about specifically. Myself and Meter have a wonderful, nicest thing we could possibly do. We stepped aside. Didn't lock in picks, so people had a better chance of finally winning. So, with two of us being assholes and forgetting to lock in picks, and I say forgetting loosely because, you know, we were just being nice in this case. The top spot for the Palm Buena Silva card went to Donna. Knocked it out of the park with 10 of 13 correct, 650 fucking points. She was on a fucking roll. Right behind her in points because they couldn't fucking um, make any um, decision or fucking perfect or enough semi-perfects to win. was Christian sitting with... What should have been a win, had he been able to pick a couple more decisions or perfects or something, 11 out of 13 correct. Screwed the pooch, got beat because you couldn't pick a couple more decisions than Donna did. Just saying, you might want to tap into her for some knowledge next time just so you can beat her. Now, um, with that being said, Donna taking the top spot, as in all good relationships, somebody's got to be the bottom. So there may or may not have been a case of pegging going on because Don took that bottom spot. He was the little spoon. He was also doing dishes and everything else that was acquired. He may need a cleanup rag for later, yes. So um, that's how that all played out there. Um, but everybody who did get their picks in, nobody was below 500. Again, everybody above 500, right where we like to be and... Like I said, there's rare events where we're not all above 500 or we all really shit the bed. Those are even rare. Oh, um, that brings us into last week's, which I somehow managed to get fucking picks in for even before um, I went camping and was out of town a couple of days. And, well, I was going to miss last week's show anyways. But luckily, somebody did the chivalrous thing and took one from Dana White in lieu of having his wife hit again. Now, um, in the top spot, back-to-back fucking weeks, Donna, kicking ass, taking fucking names. This point, um, she don't live far from here. And I'm also renting out a garden bed for her as well. Donna, if you don't fix your picks, make it a little easier on everyone else. There may be a weed whacker incident in the fucking garden. Just saying. <clears throat> allegedly. Yep, that's right. Allegedly. Couldn't get that out. <clears throat> Had a little something caught in the throat there. Still do, apparently. Now, back-to-back weeks of that happening. 
There was also another back-to-back thing here that happened. Christian, right behind Donna. How's it feel to play second fiddle there, Christian? On back-to-back weeks, I'm just wondering. Hmm. Feels pretty good. I'm not at the bottom like you guys. Hey, I'm doing good with pigs, Stephen. That's all right. You know what the difference between um the first and um. Well, I would say first and last place, but that doesn't happen. But back-to-back weeks, we'll, we'll go back to this, because there's a, three back-to-back things going on here. Don has obviously not even tried to trip over the dick. He just cut the thing off, threw it out in front of a fucking steamroller, rolled that bitch into the pavement, went out there, scraped it back up, reattached it, Better luck next week. Still the bottom bitch, obviously still doing dishes at the Hollister. Oh, um, with everyone else though, eight or better out of 15. So everybody was above the 500 mark again. Um, Donna had nine correct. Christian had nine correct. What's really crazy and should have happened, Vinny really screwed the pooch. 10 fucking correct and couldn't take the win all because of missing a couple of decisions, couple of perfects. I'm just saying, if you're not right on, you're not fucking having it. But Finney definitely gets the fucking nod for getting at least 10 of the 15 fucking fights correct on last week's card. So I'm going to call him second place. Sorry, Christian. You can find it out with him later. Because even even if he would have gotten a couple more right, he wasn't catching Donna. I hate to say it. She was way too much of a fucking role, apparently. Anyhow, um, that locks up the last two weeks there. If you are not a part of the group, go join the group. I'm no bookie. Group 965 over on Tapology. Get shit talked about you. Or praised when you do well. All of us, we give it all to ourselves. Even if I have fucking shitty weeks, I outsed myself. I don't give a shit. There's a reason why I outsted me and Mita for not getting our fucking picks in. You get called out when you do dumb shit or forget shit. That's how this works. You also get praised when you do well or possibly threatened with other things, allegedly, when you do really well back-to-back weeks in a row. That's all I'm saying. Anyhow, move on to this week. Talk some quick odds here, because to be honest, the odds aren't all that crazy. As much as I was hoping for a couple of crazy odds, there's nothing really outlandish like we've had in the last couple weeks. There's been a couple of them that have been crazy. So this week's um, title fight, hard as it were, fucking Poirier and Gaethje. Not that this is a bad fight at all. not going to say that. It is main event worthy. In my opinion, maybe not pay-per-view main event worthy, but hey, main event worthy nonetheless. I'm just saying they could have thrown a better title in there than the BMF to fucking make it a pay-per-view. That's all I'm saying. Although, with that being said, I wouldn't mind seeing Jorge Masvidal force wrap that belt around Gagey just to piss him off since he's team fucking Poirier all the way and he's been tooting that all all fucking week long, so here we are. Anyhow, back to the fight odds here. Um, 
the widest margin on the entire card. Bobby Green, Tony Ferguson. Bobby Green is a minus 380 favorite. Tony Ferguson, a plus 310 underdog. Widest shit that they've got on the card. Next widest um, is going to be counterintuitive to what Meteor was talking about a little while ago. Gabriel Bonfim, Trevin Giles. They have Gabriel Bonfim as a minus 330 favorite. Trevin Giles is a plus 275 underdog. Just saying that there, there's a possibility for some money there. Do you want to jump on that train? That's another crazy one here, um, and I'll say semi-crazy because it's not too bad, is the Darius Flowers-Jake Matthews fight. They've got Jake Matthews somehow listed as a minus 245 favorite, and it must be the short notice against Darius Flowers and being a plus 205 underdog. Still not bad. Everything else is pretty close to coin flips, um, although there is a notable in here that... Um, Everybody should pay attention to Derek Lewis sitting as a plus 190 underdog to uh, Marcus Ruggiero DeLima as a minus 225 favorite for DeLima. Makes sense to me. Just saying, just because they got a number by their name doesn't mean they're going to fucking win, but it's out there. So um, that's when you pay attention to, but um, your money fight. If you're going to make crazy bets, bet on Tony Ferguson because that's going to get you the most bang for your buck. Bet on Trevin Giles or Bonfim. That'll get you the most bang for your buck. Not saying that those are actually going to turn out that way, but there's a possibility. But everything else, pretty much coin flips across the board, including the Wonder Boy and Pereira fight. I don't know how that's fucking coin flip, but it is. Um, Blahovich and Pereira, they have as a minus 110, minus 110, a literal fucking coin flip. And um, they got Poirier is a minus 145 and Gaethje is a plus 125. So now they're pretty goddamn close to coin flip. Oh, either, again, great matchmaking or fucking Vegas is scared to make crazy odds. One of the two. Oh, there's your odds for this week. Again, go join the fucking group. Get in there. You can look at the odds, too, before you make your picks. I'm just saying, I'm no bookie group 965 over on Tapology. Join us. Have some fun. Thank you very much for that. Yeah, absolutely. Get your ass over and join the group if you have not. Uh, obviously, with all the fucking shit going on last week and everything getting pushed back, we are not going to jump right into the Tapology event like we originally planned. We're going to have a couple weeks here because we've got a couple other things going on. We will get that going. We're not going to run it for the entire fucking six months like we originally planned. We're probably going to run like two months in the middle here. Give a couple weeks to get everything set up. Give everybody a chance to join who wants to join. This is why I'm reminding you all, if you are not in the Tapology group yet, get your ass joined in that group. If you are in that group and you do not speak up, now is the time to speak up. Post a comment somewhere. Send one of us a fucking message. Let us know because we're going to set up a little fucking season in there. It's fun shit. We ran a tester. It's good fucking times. That being said, if you are here live Thursday nights on YouTube.com slash I'm no Joe, you will know by the 
devastating gift that has rolled across the screen that this is the point in the show where things go from friendly to fuckery where things go from haha to oh shit this is when we take the average shit talking and we turn it into a little competition and a thing that we like to call the pit originally scheduled like i had mentioned earlier we were going to have a new fellow we're working on getting him in here life happened understandable but in the meanwhile i'll be damned if i will leave you fine folks without a pit match for this evening so me and that young man right there we're doing the damn thing so golf tee if you would be so kind sir i got to put the bricks to slow bake all right, boys. Fucking ready. Let's keep it clean. Everything above the belt. Uh, you know what? Fuck this. If you don't, if you don't cheat, you don't fucking want to win. That's how this works here. Out. So, being as this is um, meters pushing the show today, Christian, we're gonna give you prerogative. Do you want to go first or second? I'll go first. All right. What I like to hear. The house man gets the bottom of the inning right now. All right. Let's see how, the, see how this choice works out for you. That's a bold move, Cotton. All right. So, with that being said, I'm going to go in a slightly different order than normal. Not a huge different. Like, I, I've fucked around with that in the past. I'm not going to do that today. What I want to know, right off the get-go, of all the fairly decent fights on the card which fight are you not going to bother watching this weekend because it's fucking trash you're going to go rub one out make popcorn whatever it is you're going to do during that 15 minutes which fight do you call Christian which one and why well, honestly, there's a couple of them I might wind up, you know, wandering off, doing a couple things, taking care of some shit. But the one that I think is the most obvious to me, C.J. Vergara versus Venetia. So I said it earlier on my segment, when you just throw this whole fight in the trash, man. I think C.J. Vergara, since he got in the UFC, he's shown that he's just kind of middle of the pack. He's mediocre. He's not extremely talented decision machine and when he does get a win and um Salvador in his debut like I said lost to Victor Altamiriano horrible look after getting a nice comeback knockout to get yourself the damn contract in the first place just again proves the point that I said again earlier Dana White he, he needs to retire. He needs to get the fuck out of there because he doesn't know what the fuck he's saying. He's giving out contracts to whoever in the fuck has no talent. This fight's going to be trash. It's going to be boring. Probably just going to be two grown men hugging each other for potentially 15 minutes, and I don't want any part of that. So I'm not going to fucking watch a single second. So what I heard is you're against grown men hugging each other? In, in very awkward sexual ways, yes. Yes, indeed. Okay. When you're actually doing some Brazilian jiu-jitsu, I am all for it. But when you're just awkwardly hugging each other, trying to hold somebody up against the fence of the ground, it is uh, extremely yeah. unpleasant. You do make some solid points there about both of them, though. Uh... I mean, they can swing however they want to swing. I just don't want to be a part of it. 
know, get a room. When you want to go that so, way. So you're saying you're not willing to put pay-per-view money out there for it? <laughs> oh, I ain't paying for that kind of view. No, 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 no. Hey, you don't have to. It's <laughs> on the early prelims. <laughs> so, now let's bring this same question across the road here to meter of all the fights that are on the card. One's probably more overhyped, not worth the goddamn. Which one are you going to walk away from? Tell everybody else to walk away from. And what leads you to that? So first and foremost, I, I do want to tip my cap to Christian here for uh, offering to go first here because that gives me the chance to go second and allows me to rise to the top like the proverbial creep. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, no, uh, I've got to say it, it was mentioned a little bit earlier, but I, I'm going to come back and kind of double down on it here. Uh, the fight that I am absolutely walking away from 100% and not even glancing at the television during is Roman Kapilov versus Claudio Ribeiro. Kapilov has not done anything to make himself noteworthy, whereas Claudio Ribeiro on the other side actually has, but not for the right reasons. Claudio Ribeiro is what you get if Michelle Pereira doesn't get the UFC push. It's the same bullshit, flashy style, glitz and glamour over damage and substance. It's show over go, and I don't care for it. And on the other side of it, we haven't seen Kapilov stand up and do anything against anyone noteworthy to give me a reason to think he's going to be able to stop the flashy bullshit that Ribeiro's going to do, which is just going to give that fucking moron even more encouragement to keep doing stupid shit. I don't need to see that. Yeah. Makes sense. I can see that in both ways there. Both of you make both solid points. Both of those fights. I will gladly walk away from this weekend. Not going to lie. They, neither one of them are all that fucking interesting. Now, that's not saying I'm actually going to walk away because I'm still bound to determine to see if some crazy shit happens like somebody's toe goes in somebody's eye like we've seen before but you know str stranger things type stuff uh that being said um going to the well one too many times is never a good thing eventually your moves get seen and you get called out pulling out the cream is not the stop meter points got to go to christian all right, you've gone to the well too many times. We, we got to come up with a new shtick at this point. I appreciate that. I also liked, I wanted to touch on this, right? Give the, the low blow, right? You said, if we're not cheap, we're not trying to win. Meter touched on copula, not really shown anything with stand-up. I guess reputable competition, yes, but in his last two fights, he has gotten knockout victory. I absolutely will give him that. <laughs> so you're all right about the noteworthy competition. That, that's that's, that's why I didn't, I didn't say he hasn't put on a performance. That's exactly why I said that. It's not that he hasn't put on a performance. I will absolutely give credit where credit is due. Boy, got some good hands when there ain't much coming back at him. When you got some flashy cartwheels and spinning capoeira back, double, triple axles and fucking hi-yahs from Brazil, like, oh, she gets a little different. Uh-huh. This is where I like to see it. a little sparring after the round. All right. We're not going to break it up here. It's not how this rolls. Um, now, being as uh, Christian took first go in the first round, uh, second round, come back around, swing it right back to meter, back-to-back -back questions here. So, of 
all the fights that are on this card, which fight do you think is not getting the respect it deserves, not getting the shine, and people need to sit down and watch? That one, I'm probably going to go a little different direction than most people might consider, just given the placement of the fight itself. But I'm going with the main card opener. Kevin Holland versus Michael Chiesa is a spectacular fight that is getting swept under the rug because of the bullshit that Kevin Holland got tied to in his last quote unquote big outing where he had a chance to shine and then everything went to hell and we all know how that resulted. But if you've been watching social media, Kevin Holland has pretty fucking consistently kept his ass in the gym and been fucking grinding because you ain't got to get ready if you stay ready. Whereas you got the other side of that. Michael Chiesa is a staple in the UFC, but he hasn't been in the ring in almost two years now. And I don't give a fuck how many times Dominic Cruz says it. Ring rust is very real. And as great as we saw Kiesa potentially be at one point, two years off in the literal prime of your physical career is not a good time to take a break. And if anything, in those two years he's been gone, look at the guys like Kevin Holland who have come up through the ranks and shown that the new breed can do everything better than everybody used to do. It's how evolution works. And I feel like as great as this fight potentially is, nobody's really watching for it because there's still a whole bunch of crazy that could happen in this fucking match, and I'm here for it. Very well put, because that is definitely one, in my opinion, that has been uh, not getting the shine it deserves. I think it deserves a good bit more. Anytime you put up in Holland in any situation, it can deserve some great shine, not to mention the return of Michael Chiesa. That's, that's worth it right there in itself. No, not that. Uh, that puts the ball in your court there, Christian. Uh, the fights that are listed here on the card, um, which one do you think is not getting the shine it deserves? And you're going to be willing to go out and tell people, hey, this is one you need to sit down and watch. You might make a new fan. Well, this one is pretty easy for me, man. you got to go with Wonder Boy versus Michelle Pereira. It's on the main card. It's in the people's main event spot but it's not been talked about for shit. And I really think it's just because Wonder Boy is one of the nicest dudes, you know, he, he likes to say it. And so the BMF, he'd be the NFF, the nicest fucking fighter, you know? like he, Because of his personality and being such a cool, chill guy, people don't really give him the respect he's due as a fighter. Like, and he just came off of one of the best fucking fights of the year last year, fighting Kevin Holland, who the brother Meter just fucking mentioned as well. I feel like both fights have huge fucking potential. Do agree with Meter that Holland versus Kiesa hasn't been talked about a lot either. And Michelle Pereira, same with Kiesa. It's been off for a while. It's been over a year since he's been in the octagon. Dude's on a five-fight winning streak, and he's 29 years old. I know we all hate the guy personally, hate his fighting style, and would love to fucking see Wonder Boy put the motherfucker out. Wonder Boy's 40 years old. And if he goes out there and puts this guy out after beating down Kevin Holland, you really got to stop fucking lowballing him and really give him that opportunity to climb his fucking way back towards the title because he's such a fucking name. Like I said, us hardcore fans have that deep love for Wonder Boy. 
but it is that big sense he's now being talked about the way that he fucking should be, especially with the spot they got him in the main card. You got to hype it up like it is the fucking people's main event, man. This might be one of the most exciting fights on the fucking card. And I can't wait to see Wonderboy beat Michelle Pereira's ass. Wrong place there. You do make a great point. He did have one of the greatest fights last year between him and Kevin Holland. That was a fucking fantastic fight. I don't agree 100% with hitting Michael Pereira. Which is why you can't get points for fucking bringing that fight up. Because fuck that guy. I will not lead anybody who I want to watch MMA come watch some scumbag like Michelle Pereira. Because albeit he has had a good winning streak. Still a shitbag. The fuckery backflips while he's fighting, things like that. No. Points got to go to me to hear, man. Sorry. With I can't do anything with Pereira there. I like that. That was a ballsy fucking choice. But after that low blow, came back and bit you in the ass. That's all I'm saying. So, now, with that being said, Christian, ball's back in your court again. We're skipping to the top of the card. And um, being as I'm judging rounds, May I say, choose your words wisely here, because we're going to talk about the co-main event of the evening. Who do you see winning this, and how? This may be controversial to you guys, because you've already expressed your opinions, but I feel like Alex Pereira is going to knock you on Blahovich out, and the biggest reason why, I feel like the age and the wear and tear. Allen's been through quite a few fucking tough fights, especially his fight with Glover Teixeira. Uh, I mean, honestly, his fight with Uncle Live wasn't that fucking entertaining, but that's, the, to me, the biggest thing. He had the opportunity to put a guy out that was such less talented than him, clearly, and all he really needed to do was keep kicking that leg, and it could have been over, and... He just doesn't seem to have the greatest fight IQ all the time. It could be an easy fucking win for him this weekend. Really just get Pereira down to the ground and fights up. I don't think Pereira's got a strong enough ground game, whether they've given him a brown belt gym that he's fucking working at or not. I don't think he's got a strong ground game. If it gets to the ground, Jan's got it. But I don't know if he's going to have that. Fight IQ, literally in his past couple fights against Alexander Rockage, against Ankalaev, he's not even really tried to shoot for a takedown. He's just like, fuck it, I'm going to stand, I'm going to try to brawl. I love that shit. It could wind up being an exciting fight, but uh, we've seen with a lot of guys, you know, Sean Strickland, even Izzy himself, he tried to stand and fucking bang with this dude. Now he's not having to cut that weight. Gets to have that little bit of extra weight, that little bit of extra fucking water to protect the brain. I feel like he's got a solid fucking chance, man. More than a puncher's chance here. And I think the youth is the biggest thing. He's newer to the MMA scene. He hasn't taken a lot of beatings, hasn't been through a lot of fights. I mean, what, Jan's got almost 40 professional fights in tow. He's 40 years old. Just It gets to you. It's the biggest reason I feel like Pereira's got that edge. He's got a crazy fucking left hook. 
amazing power, man, and you just got the youth. Think comes out with a knockout. You make some solid points there. I'm not going to say whether I agree nor disagree because I have to be impartial here, <laughs> even though I did give you fair warning. <laughs> uh, no, but I have to be impartial on this. So you do make some solid points there, Oliver. Um, we got to see what comes across the water here as we jump to the other side. Later. Call main event. Pretty big. Who you got taking it and why? Three points. First point. I'm third generation American. My great grandmother moved here from Warsaw. Warsaw, Poland. She barely spoke English till the day she died. Point number two. I wear a size 14 shoe. I know better than the mock guy about the size of his foot. Point number three, that classic song, how could anyone ever forget? Mamas, don't let your babies grow up to be poetons. No, 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 my friend. Not only is the Polish power on display this weekend, not only are those tiny little Polish feet going to get to dancing around Pajera, but Jan has become a bona fide hat rocking skull in his pocket stain having Polish cowboy. They don't write songs about dudes who walk around in the forest pretending to be natives. They write songs about cowboys. They write songs about victories that cowboys win. And after this weekend, we're going to get us a nice ballad of Jan Blachowicz as he walks his way into a title fight at 205. I'm just saying, you tickle my fancy. You tickle my fancy there. Now, with all of that being said there, um, you already knocked out the little bonus question I had here to cap this off. Because you think it's him? I, well, actually, no, because you didn't say it directly. So bonus question for both of you. Don't care who answers first. Is this going to be for the light heavyweight belt? At this point, no. I mean, with my prediction that I made when we got the news last week about Jamal Hill, I was all for it. I mean, shit, tomorrow is Friday. So if we don't get the news break tomorrow morning after weigh-ins or afternoon after, you know, ceremonials, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. It's got to be tomorrow. If not in the next 24 hours, for sure, no. But I, I don't feel like it at this point. I feel like they would have announced it already. Because what kind of shit is that, really? Like, I mean, it, it is going to be a five-round fight, right? I think. Anyways, it was set up to be five rounds. I can't fully remember if it's three rounds or five rounds. If it's Yeah, if they got it set up for three, yeah, why, why would you do that? Like, 24 hours notice? Oh, they'd probably take it, but you know, way to go, UFC. Give them one day to be like, hey, get ready for five rounds to three. And for title. It wouldn't surprise me, but I don't think it'll happen. I would love to see that this is going to be last minute 
for the belt. But at this point, it's very obvious that Dana White does not want Jan Blahovich to have that strap. I think it's going to be number one contender or title eliminator, but I don't think they actually put the strap on I'm in line with both. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. My thought is Dana is afraid if they were to have done it in this fight, they might end up with fucking another draw similar to the Ankalai Blahovich fight. Which I could understand that. Boys get a little tentative during that, but then on the other side, I can't because coming back around to this, a couple points I need to make here before I give out the points. One, I'm down with Polish power. Two, Christian made some really good fucking points. Three, there is something that was missed, though, on Christian's side that I will say before I delve out any points. I'm not saying you're not going to get points for this, Christian. He said, John's got all this road mileage. So does Bahera. He was fucking kickboxing before he fucking came into MMA. So he was taking damage. I think we forget to mention that about his thing, but that. But that's besides the point. Now, I do like the three-legged fucking stance that you put up there, Nina, but I don't think three legs is enough to do it here. As much as I am against Pajeta winning this fight, Christian makes some really good solid points on this. I have to get the points to Christian here. Even though he can't remember that fucking Pajeta fought kickboxing before MMA, so he's got road mileage, too. I'm just saying. No, I remember he just dominated the kickboxing and even beat Izzy's ass the couple times he fought, so he didn't take the same kind of damage that Jan's taking in MMA. Even though kickboxing is still a very violent sport. Yes, he he took damage, right? Because he kicked that fucking leg, the body, any of Road that. mileage. It doesn't matter. He knocked out until he fought Izzy here back in April, right? So that's it. He really lost very much in the kickbox here. All I'm saying is, all the waterfall wrestling with Clover in the world ain't going to save you when that Polak puts you on your fucking back and starts raining hammers. Oh, yeah. No, I agree with you, brother. (laughs) I said it. I fully said that. I had to put that point out there. It gets down to the ground. It's over. Even if fucking prayers, the dumbass is like, oh, let me shoot the takedown. Right. Fucking wrong choice, buddy. It's over. (laughs) All right. So that puts the ball right back into the meter's court again here. So. That brings us to the main event. For a title fight of uh, Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje. Hell of a main event. But do you say so myself? Those boys do not have boring fights. Neither one of them. So it's going to be exciting. Who do you see taking this? And what leads you to that conclusion? I would love to give a big poetic diatribe about how it's been five years since that fight happened and they've both grown as people and fighters and they've changed camps and they've changed styles. And the reality of the, the fight is that these are the same two dudes who went in there to, and I quote, put on a beautiful car crash. 
neither one of them have strayed too far from where they were in that fight, albeit a little more road mileage, a little more money in the bank, in one case, a little more CTE. But we've seen in both of them since that fight, that is who they are. That's why these are the two guys that no one contested were fighting for the belt and bringing the BMF from welterweight down to lightweight now. I would love to say that even though he has been talking about it, that Justin Gaethje is now an intellectual fighter and he's tired of just going in there to see who can weather the storm. But the reality is, is we've seen that that's just not the case. He always, or at least recently, tries to start the fight smarter. And I will give him that. And he's going to need that. The problem is that, A, Poirierity knows he's going to do that. And B, he's not going to be able to hang in the duration when Poirier pours on the volume. We've seen it happen with people beyond just Dustin doing that to him. Gaethje is great. If he gets an opening, he'll put you the fuck out. But if you can frustrate him, he loses his game plan. He loses his fight IQ and he puts his head down and he goes into a car crash. That's just who Justin Gaethje is. That's why we loved him for so fucking long. The problem is when you put him against a cerebral fighter, like Dustin Poirier, who will wait and bait you out and make you swing at air and make you use your gas tank to drag you into those deep waters. Guys like Gaethje just can't swim that long, and Poirier will be treading out there, giggling as his wife's and Connor's DMs when round four, excuse me, when round four comes through, and that broken leg don't matter no more because we know the red panty night's coming. Oh, there's some fucking solid points there. Definitely solid. Gonna be a fucking banger of a night for that. A hell of a way to end the fucking card, that's for sure. So, as in ping pong, as in pong, as in tennis, the ball is back in your court, Christian, on this main event of Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje. For a title, in your quotes again, who do you see taking home this strap and why? The title or no title, man, for almost the past couple months since this fight was announced, it's been the fight I've been the most anticipating. Like, I'm excited as fuck for this. The first fight between the two of them was an absolute fucking dream for a fight fan. That's what you want to see. Two dudes go in that fucking cage and lay it all on the fucking line. Be literally be willing to die. And it's kind of like destiny since they last fought. They both have the same record. Both been six and two. The only two losses to Charlie Olives and fucking Habib. It just it seems so right as a fucking fight fan that we're getting this back. Now, in the sense of picks, I haven't made my picks yet this week. There's a big reason why. Most of these fights on the main card, I do not fucking have an idea. I'm like, it's so 50-50 with a lot of these in my mind this week. I know I'm probably going to get some wrong. And I'll fucking, you know, I'll make the picks. I'll put them in and go with my gut on them and hope it works out. And that's kind of how I feel with this fight. I feel like it's so back and forth. I absolutely have no idea in hell who's really going to come out on top because in the first fight, it almost went the whole entire three rounds. Towards the end of that third round, that's when Dustin finally hurt Gagey. Put him out. If Gagey's got his cardio up, uh, has better defense, you know, like Meter touched on him trying to 
fight smarter or more technical, like you said. I think he needs to think about that in the defensive side more than the offensive side. If he can not take so much damage from Dustin, not allow Dustin to get that volume off that we always see him get, that's how he wins the fight. He's got to make it go all five rounds, and he's got to be able to take less damage more so than, you know, somehow he's magically a better boxer and he thinks he's going to outbox Dustin Poirier and put it on him. I know it'll be a crazy car crash in the fight, in my opinion, just like Nader said, he's going to lose himself. That's just my gut wants to see Gaethje get the win back, right? Get the revenge. Do I think it's going to happen? No, that's that's what my gut tells me, that Dustin's going to get it again. As much as I'd love to see Gaethje win, I think Dustin's going to win, and I think it'll be hard for it to go the five rounds, but that's all I really want. Man, I'm cool with whoever wins this fight, but if we get 25 minutes, this would be the fight of the year. That it very well could be. I definitely see this being fight of the year. No, I'm wrong. We've had some pretty good bangers so far, but this one has a high potential of that. Hell, thanks for kind of a hard decision to get points out on this one because it's both made really solid fucking points. However, somebody has to win a point. Somebody has to lose a point. Or not get a point. We won't say lose a point, but not get a point. This is kind of like that 10-9 must-scoring system. Somebody's got to win around, somebody's got to lose. Due to the nature in which you were so wishy-washy on who was going to win, Christian, I have to give the point to Meter because he was solid straight out the gate about who was going to win and why. So... Little less wishy washy in your next answers, and you would have gotten the point. But you know, a little too wishy washy. Although we've heard that out of you before, so not surprised. Uh, even me getting my low blows in when I get a chance here, and I'm not even fucking pit, just here to ref. Now, you guys can math. I know some of you can't, so I will break it down fucking grade school style for you. That's one, one, and two, and two apiece. Four rounds in total, two and two. Means we got to go into the fifth, final round. Now, to make this fair. Before we jump into the final round, I would just like to take a moment to let folks know that this weekend is not just UFC 290. This weekend is full of combat sports. Even though we didn't go over everything, I do want to let folks know that if you need punchy kicky in your life this weekend there is a full menu so let me give you a quick little rundown here starting tomorrow evening at 8 p.m eastern 7 p.m central time fight to win 234 a nice open mat brazilian jiu-jitsu competition of all levels gi and no gi great fucking time there are some names of folks excuse me there are some names that folks will recognize competing in that event tomorrow night Tomorrow night at 9.30 here on the I'm No Joe channel, you'll see some video gaming. That being said, uh, Saturday afternoon, 10.30 a.m. I know that's early on a Saturday, but they're over. So, you know, 
Cage Warriors 158, one of the greatest European feeder organizations for the UFC. Again, not the biggest names available, but some great fights and a couple names that you're going to want to watch because they're going to be names that you're going to need to watch in a few years. Then, of course, Saturday evening, kicking off the early prelims for UFC 290 at 5.30 Central Standard Time. Right about the time that main card should be starting will also be 7 p.m. Eastern one of the most highly anticipated boxing matches of the year of recent years, Earl Spence Jr. versus Terrence Crawford. If you've got the option to dual screen, this would be one of those boxing matches. Maybe not the whole card, but this would be one of those matches you might be inclined to dual screen. But that's not even the end of it, because once all that settles through, kicking off at 10 p.m., yes, starting the event at 10 p.m. Central Standard Time, Saturday evening, Bellator versus Ryzen 2, live from the Saitama Arena in Japan. Like we mentioned earlier, unfortunately, AJ McKee is out, but there are still plenty of very interesting fights. And over in Japan, they don't know how to not make an event fun so if you need something to help you out throughout the late portion of the evening bellator rising 2 is there there is lots of punchy kicky for you to purvey this weekend and as usual we don't do recap shows around here but if there is a great finish worth talking about we'll have a short up on here generally with a clip of the event and what the fuck just happened for you to keep an eye out on that being said take it away tj all right so Coming into this fifth and final round here. To make things fair, Christian, you're going to have prerogative again, but not to see who goes first or second. So what I'm going to ask first is, Peter, your choice. Do you want to go first or second? I will go second. It's going to go second. Keep the rhythm going. Keep the rhythm going. Christian, because I do not have the cards here, I think there are three left on the board right now, if I was told correct earlier. Pick number one to three. I'm going to go with number three because Gaethje's ranked number three and I'm taking Gaethje this week. Here we are with the wishy-washy as he thinks uh, Poirier's going <laughs> to win. Jesus I fucking told you which one I wanted to win, Captain. <laughs> 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 Gut feeling, right? So heart, see, heart says Gaethje, the mind says Poirier. Fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, God, that's hard to read. Fuck you, TJ. Uh, you're not allowed to do that. You can't write me love letters. Cassie, did you slide <laughs> into these sticky notes? <laughs> ha ha, Lady Avocado. Got you on the other show. Uh, the real, num- real, real posted number three. Next big UFC pid preview location. Where's it going? <laughs> That's gonna be big. Where's the next big event gonna happen? What are your thoughts there, Christian? What's next big location? That's a good question because, uh, like you guys were mentioning earlier, if they got that little actual forced partner up with uh, the power slap, 
we're not going to see a lot of big pay-per-view locations. We're going to see the same old, same old shit. Need to touch on a lot of Vegas, maybe some Texas and Florida. But um, if that's not the case, I would love to see the Mexico thing happen. I honestly still feel like that makes the most sense. You got Alexa Grasso, you know, defending the title against Shevchenko. She comes out on top. You, know, you still got a lot of huge Mexican fighters to bring in those fans. It's a place they haven't really been to. It's the most realistic in my eyes because they've already set up Korean zombie fight Max Holloway in Singapore here. So you're not getting that Korea fight. It's probably going to be Zombie's last fight after he fights Max here. And I don't feel like they have enough prospects in the UFC right now to kind of go to Japan. Even though I remember, I think I faced Avocado what, months ago and we had a question similar like that. And he said, Japan, Japan, obviously, would be fucking amazing, be awesome the ties to pride and all that. I feel like the most realistic, we went to Canada earlier this year, it's got to be Mexico. We've been going to Australia and all these other places. Mexico would probably be the biggest pay-per-view location they could go. The most realistic, in my opinion. I like that answer. Mexico is a good, solid choice. You can put on some big shows there. There's quite a few uh, Mexican fighters that have a really big draw, so that makes sense. All right, maybe ball's back in your court. Where's the next big UFC fucking event going to take place? So, firstly, I've got to start by saying I, I do admire my competitor's tenacity, but I have a hard time believing that Vicente Fox is going to allow Dana White back on Mexican soil anytime soon. That being said, there is a place called Eden Park that has a 50,000 capacity seat, excuse me, 50,000 seat capacity stadium in a little town that folks might have heard of called Auckland, New Zealand. Given the propensity of the city kickboxing crew and now several other notable MMA gyms opening and flourishing down in the Asiatic region down there, we already know they're going to Sydney. They've been to Australia several times before. Where they haven't gone, though, is to that tiny little island just off to the side of Australia called New Zealand, where they just so happen to have a potential matchup of one Alexander Volkanovsky versus the arguable number one contender in Ilya Teporia. And since they're not going to be able to make the super fight happen in Sydney in September like they thought because surgery from Volk, now that gives them time to work on somewhere around, I don't know, maybe February, where it would be summertime down in New Zealand versus wintertime here in the Northern Hemisphere. And we could go have a literal beachfront title fight in New Zealand, and Dana can make all the money from it at the same time. That's a good, solid answer. I like it. We haven't been to New Zealand yet. They've got a big enough fan base and get and all the people that would definitely fly over from fucking Australia 
to yeah, Australia, Asia, everybody over there. Yeah, it's pretty centrally located, all of that. But that would be no different than saying going to Japan because that's all pretty centrally located uh, Asia over there too. So now, all that being said, that's a tough fucking call. I can see them going back to Mexico, albeit a little difficult. But I also have a hard time seeing them going to New Zealand because they haven't been there yet. And anytime they go into a new territory, it takes a while to get the fucking ball rolling on it. Do I foresee them being able to get that done by February time frame? Nah. There's a lot of hoops to jump through. However, they have great people on both sides of that. So, I mean, they could end up in either. To me, I want to see a fucking Africa card. I want to see, put them in fucking, put them in South Africa. Because there's a large population, or even better yet, take them to some fucking, take them to like Cameroon or something. That's just my thought. Somewhere where it's just fucking little ping nowhere. Make a giant fuck off goddamn card. Bring money to a poor ass country. That'd be great. But we know that's not going to happen because there's not enough money in those countries. Oh, that being said, Mexico's had its fair share of events already that are fucking huge. Well, I will say they've had their fair share of events. They've had some huge things happen at them, like throwing a fucking beer bottles and shit at people. Because, you know, great fucking way to want people to come back to your country. New Zealand over there. Never been. City kickboxing is huge. And the way that the fucking Kiwis and the fucking Australians are getting together lately, I... I have to fucking go to the New Zealander out here. My heart says bonus, go bonus point. Bonus point we could potentially get Laura Sanko doing another shoey live. That's a win in my book. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> <laughs> Only if she does it out of her high heel. <laughs> After she's been working the whole fucking event. But yeah, so point on this and the win. It's gonna go over to the meter because I love the fucking idea of going to New Zealand. They deserve a fucking big card over there, especially with the fighters they've got. They've got a current champ over there. And you know, champ Volkanovski, that can just quick hop flight from Australia over to New Zealand. Bam, the boys are back in town. Little men at work, you know, that kind of thing. So hats off to me this week. Christian, little less wishy-washy. And you probably would have had this. Had you been a little more on point and said Gaethje, like right with 100% certainty, I probably would have given you the point and never even made it to the fifth round. We would have had our first fucking walk off there. But you had to be wishy-washy on me because to be honest, I want to see Gaethje win. I want to see you get, get that win back so that way we can get a three-piece of this motherfucker because that would be a trilogy I think a ton of people would want to see. Hats off to you both. Well done, boys. Made Thanks for, for refereeing for us. Thanks for refereeing for us. Very much appreciated. Definite tip of the cap to my competitor there, Slow Bake. Always glad to step up 
plate and know that the boys that I'm standing here talking shit with can hold their own just a goddamn saying makes me proud that we've been doing this fucking show for going on six years now we are now in season nine boys and girls we've been rocking this shit for a goddamn minute and we ain't slowing down any fucking time soon so first and foremost if you are new here welcome check out we have not missed a major event aside from last week which wasn't really that major in over five years now every fucking week there is a major event that needs to be talked about you will get something from us here you can count on that that being said at least for this season for the foreseeable future here uh tomorrow night friday nights 9 30 ish central standard time same time as we start the show here i'm gonna be doing a little video game playing right now i'm still working out a couple of kinks with fucking xbox and ea so uh we're gonna start out with some rocket league because that's fun as shit i know a couple other folks that might come join us but that's for tomorrow night when the show here ends that's not the end of the fun either because first thing tomorrow morning and pretty much every friday morning you can take your happy ass on over to spreaker.com slash slow bake and contemplate and catch my fine compatriot over there that i competed against this evening and his hetero life mate and their friendly fire and podcast over there slow bake and contemplate catch all the fun that those boys get their takes up to those links and all of their social medias are down in the description below Appreciate it, brother. Once we wrap around the next fucking week, shit always stays fucking popping. You gotta fucking hop over to the Brother Golf Tees channel on YouTube. It's Golf Tee Vapes, just the same as he is on here, same as he is on Instagram. You gotta pop over, show the brother some love about the same fucking time every Wednesday night, 9 o'clock, 9.30. Brothers, hop on, show everybody some fucking recipes for your vapes have a good fucking time you hop in there show some fucking love and just like me said you can find me links down in the description for the brother shit yeah thank you bud now some of you may not know this yet because you might be new here but the meter does do more than one thing in fact the meter does many things so if you go down below there's a link which would be Linktree slash The Meter Does Many Things, that will take you to all of the many things that The Meter Does do. Also, don't forget to hop into the Discord. I'm not in there because I don't do Discord. But, you know, for all of you that do, that's available to you. It's another one of those many things that Meter Does do. Links below. Thank you very much, sir. Much appreciated like they mentioned links to all the fun stuff that we all get up to and all of our social medias to get in touch with any of us all down below discord is the main communicator in my opinion here we run the link down across the scroller at the bottom of the show for the whole duration it is down in the description as well like i said earlier it is where i put news that doesn't make it to the show there's a section there just for fan q a if you guys got something you want to ask us that's the place to do it hop over through your question and i'll make sure it gets to the show we've got stuff for different individual things over there discord's a fun time there's also a channel just for those gentlemen and their podcasts as well. So if you don't have Spreaker, you don't have access to it, you could just hop over on Discord. They make sure to post their stuff over there for you just the same. So don't miss out on all the fun we are getting up to around here. Excuse me. I look forward to seeing all of you tomorrow night for some hilariously bad video games, but hopefully entertaining times. But that is all we have got for this particular episode. So if you like what we get up to around here, 
whether you're catching this in video format on youtube.com slash I'm no Joe every Thursday night, or you're catching the all audio version a week later on anchor.fm slash I'm no Joe, you could pick it up in your podcast consumption platform of choice. Either way, we appreciate you. Make sure you give us a like subscription, get those notifications turned on so you don't miss an episode on the other side of that coin. If you don't like what we get up to around here, first and foremost, what the fuck are you still doing this deep into a podcast you didn't enjoy? Give us a thumbs down and then go fuck yourself. We won't even dispute it. That said, that's all we've got for this particular episode. Welcome to season nine, boys and girls. It's only going to get crazier from here. That is all we've got for this particular episode. So remember, until next time, don't let ignorance stop you. You can root for anything. Unless it's Andrew Tate beating Cowboy Cerrone. Get the fuck out of here. Good time.